Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is the Art of Awesome show number 184. And so when we're doing an activity like climbing or kayaking, if we really think about it, the climb and the rock needs to blend together to create a performance. Yeah. Uh, the kayaker and the medium of the river, they ha- really have to come together to create a performance, mm-hmm. to create, you might say, a whole that is more than the sum of the parts. Hit it! That's what I'm talking about. Wait! Okay, now, from the beginning. Hit it, boys. Welcome to the Art of Awesome. My name is Nick Troutman, and I'm a professional athlete, entrepreneur, family man, and adventure seeker. My goal is to share with you stories, knowledge, and inspiration as we continue on the journey together, searching for that secret sauce to producing awesome results in everyday life. Thanks for spending some time with me today, and let's get to it. Welcome back, everyone, to the Art of Awesome podcast. I am your host, Nick Troutman, and this is the show where we search for that secret sauce to success and the difference between the average and the awesome. Today is Monday, so that means we've got another deep dive interview as... Uh, That's what we do on Mondays. Fridays, we've got our Friday Fire, our shorter, bite-sized piece of content, uh, something that I've been thinking about, thought of the day, tip of the day, or something just kind of rattling around in my mind. But on Mondays, we've got these deep dive interviews, and today was a super fun conversation as I got to sit down with Arno Ilgner and talk flow state, peak performance, and the Warrior's Way, a program for mental training that he came up with. Arno is a professional climber and author and flow state mental coach. Um, he came up with the program called The Rock Warrior's Way, which really dives into mental strength training and kind of tapping into that peak performance and flow state based around rock climbing. Arno was a pioneer rock climber in the 1970s and 80s, and after searching for different literature and practice of mental training, he came up with his own methods and created The Warrior's Way, which we dive all into the fundamentals and the framework of The Warrior's Way in this conversation and interview. So very excited to share some of this peak performance, flow state, and mental training with you guys. Let's go ahead and jump right into it. Here is Arno Ilgner. Arno, first off, thank you so very much for joining me here on the Art of Awesome podcast. Yeah, it's great to be here. I appreciate the invite, Nick. Well, thanks. So, Arno, you've uh, you're kind of a distinguished pioneer rock climber from the 1970s and 1980s. And then in 1995, after searching for literature and practice of mental training, you formalized your own methods and created what you call the Warrior's Way and began began teaching full-time. You've taught clinics around the U.S. and abroad, and you hold a BA in geology and have operated as a geological consulting firm and you've acted as CFO for companies. You've also attended the Army Ranger School, which I think is super cool. And now you live near me here in Tennessee. Um, So very excited to talk with you about your warrior's way and kind of this mental training that you do with with rock climbers and other athletes. Um, But kind of let's start off before we dive fully into peak performance, flow state and all that mental stuff. And and maybe just kind of tell us a little bit about your journey becoming a top climber or a professional climber in the first place. Yeah, certainly. Well, I'm 67 years old right now, you know, so it's been kind of a long road. I was um, introduced to climbing when I was 18, you know, a senior in high school and uh, I grew up in Manchester, just south of where you are. And, you know, in 1973, you know, there wasn't like a lot of climbing around. Uh, It was sort of a fringe activity, a lot of going on, you know, in Europe, of course, like that was their tradition. Uh, and of course, in Yosemite and California and things like that. But uh, some people that I met in high school, they were in the scouts, you know, and they did a little climbing and they really were enthused about it. 
And so I was sort of in a transition, not knowing what I wanted to study in college and what I wanted to do as far as uh, an engaging activity. So they took me climbing and it just, uh, you know how it is when you first go, you don't have to have tangible reasons about why you like something. You just know you and you love it. And so that's what climbing was for me. And so, yeah, that led me to Tennessee Tech, you know, they're in Cookville, climbing on a local sandstone around here. And, uh, and then I decided to transition to University of Colorado in Boulder, because that's where another center of climbing was going on. And, and, and so a lot different kinds of rocks, taller rocks, you know, and so went there. And during this time, I was also in ROTC. So after I graduated, I uh, had an obligation in the military. So um, I went into the army for a couple of years and that took me to Korea, you know, for a, a tour of duty over there and, and also went through the army ranger school, you know, during that time or prior to that actually. But, uh, but then, you know, after I got out of the military, I was looking for what I could do as a geologist, like what I studied. Uh, up to that time, you know, I was climbing rocks, I was studying rocks, you know, and so I really liked being outside and working with my hands and my body, you know, with that medium. Uh, and, and so I moved to Wyoming to work in the oil fields there as a geologist. And, and it was pretty awesome. You know, I was out on oil rigs, you know, with uh, the drilling crew and looking at samples, seeing where I was in the geological section, looking for hydrocarbon shows. It was really exciting, uh, kind of isolating too, you know, but I kind of enjoyed that aspect of it. But the thing about Wyoming is, uh, and oil business is, it's a boom-bust kind of cycles, you know. So, so it busted after a couple of years of me working in it. And, and so I was struggling to figure out what to do next and moved back to Tennessee and, and started working in family business selling industrial tools, basically anything to cut metal. Uh, mm -hmm. We have a lot of customers, had a lot of customers around your area, you know, in Sparta and McMinnville and so forth. Uh, but, you know, the thing that was always lurking in the back of my head was uh, I loved climbing and these other things that I was doing for careers with even, you know, military, the oil business uh, and this industrial tool business was not really aligned with what I enjoyed doing. So I, I was kind of frustrated with what I was doing in, uh, in the industrial tool business. So I started looking for how I could create a career in climbing. And that led me to, you know, uh, researching about mental training and developing this program. That's awesome. Were there, were there, um, so this is, is this, now we're into like the 1980s? Is that a, around this time period? Mid-1990s. Mid-1990s, okay. And so in the mid-1990s, you know, climbing's already an established sport here in America and definitely abroad and in Europe and stuff like that. Were there already kind of um, like coaches or, or mental coaches, or is this still kind of like ahead of its time a little bit when, when you were starting to think and, and dabble into almost like this, this mental side of sports? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Great question. Uh, you know, in general, I think that mental training has been a part of, you know, professional sports for a long time, but it's really become more accepted more recently uh, in climbing specifically, there had been some articles written about mental training, you know, in the climbing mags and uh, up until about the uh, early 90s, but uh, no formal like training program. There actually wasn't any real formal physical training program either for climbing. That just like exploded into uh, a much better way of doing it than what we were experimenting with in the 1980s. Yeah, we were like. Uh, hanging with weight, you know, because someone thought it was a great idea, you know, or doing pull-ups. And now they have like really sophisticated training programs around hang boards and so forth that can really target, you know, different kinds of muscles and different ways of using them. Mm -hmm. So for mental training, there was really nothing either in the climbing industry. So uh, reading widely, researching, and then experimenting with uh, with students, you know, is 
was uh, just a kind of a, a ground um, ground-based way of doing just the, I knew I needed to broaden my understanding of what was out there in other sports and find a way to adapt it to climbing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and to me, you know, I've, I've read a lot of books like you, I, I see your library behind you. Um, and I, and I love that mental side of sports and that kind of like sports psychology a little bit. Um, but but for me, I mean, at, at my age and and when I got into the sports, or at least in the last, I don't know, I would say in the last decade, there have been quite a bit of literature uh, and books and articles and and studies on that kind of like sports psychology and flow state and all this kind of stuff. But but I also imagine that you were like pretty even the books that you may have read and stuff you're still probably on that leading edge in in you know the mid 90s um cuz when i'm when i started reading about it it would have been like the gosh it would have been the mid 2010s probably uh or like early 2010s um and so I, and maybe i'm wrong maybe people were just way way ahead of where i was um uh, and i got into the whole game pretty late but but i would almost think that you're kind of like pretty early in that in that era uh, abs- I mean, definitely early uh, and the first one, you know, to really develop a program for climbers, you know, like mm-hmm. a, a tangible course that I can go out and actually take someone start to finish through a program, you know, to help them with their attention, their fears and so forth. Uh, but, you know, interesting, uh, a lot has changed in the last couple of decades uh, in a lot of different ways, like uh, neuroscience, you know, for understanding the brain better, uh, blending between like psychology and neuroscience, blending between Western psychology and Eastern uh, spiritual dis- disciplines like Buddhism. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of crossover for uh, people looking for a-, a way to make something more holistic, something more integrative than just looking at a kind of a micro part of, um, of the whole picture, you yeah. know? So, and that was my approach, uh, very eclectic in the very beginning. I, w- I was reading things that didn't, didn't really seem like they had anything to do with mental training, uh, but they drew my interest and my attention. And I was, I tend to be more intuitive. So I followed that direction. Uh, and so uh, the warrior's way is really built on a, a broad foundation of a lot of different disciplines to look for core themes that can give it a really solid foundation, some like really uh, solid core tenants. Yeah. What, what might, what might some of those themes be for the warrior's way? Cause just, just to, to, to pre-emphasize for everybody listening, you and I were on a, recently on a panel together for um, a flow state conference, which was super fun. And, and uh, I'm not actually sure we may have met once at an OR show. I don't know if that, if you remember that, or maybe I'm, maybe I'm thinking someone else, but anyway, I thought, I thought maybe we met a while back, but either way, recently we're on this uh, flow conference together and I love the idea of flow state and, and, and I find it, you know, um, very intriguing of how paddle sports plays a part of it, but every sport really does. And so how does kind of the flow state and the warrior's way program that you created kind of blend together and, and maybe just give us a little bit of the, the kind of foundational components of your, uh, warrior's way, um, program. Certainly, certainly. Um, well, uh, for, I'm sure your listeners know something about the flow state and athletes uh, seek to get into that kind of a state because you get, you can perform optimally there. Mm-hmm. And, and so uh, the traditional flow state that, uh, you know, Mikhail Csikszentmihalyi, you know, uh, coined and developed and was you, you kind of have a graph where you have challenge on one axis and you have you know ability on another Mm -hmm. and so if you get the balance between your ability to deal with stress let's say and the level of the stress or the challenge then you can uh, get into an optimal uh, state you know if you get too much stress that you can't process then you fall out of that flow state Mm -hmm. or if you don't have enough stress based on your skill level then you get you fall into boredom back in your mm-hmm. comfort zone. So it's kind of a sweet spot. Uh, 
so that's that's the traditional way of understanding a flow state. But the conference that we were a part of is really looking more broadly. Like, can we like make uh, attain the flow state or something uh, resembling it in regular life? You know, or even recreational activities where we're not like really necessarily uh, looking to for performance. Uh, so, uh, so when I when I look at that way of getting into the flow state, uh, the traditional way too, but uh, more broadly, in the context of the core tenets of the warrior's way material, then it really starts making sense on what we can do uh, with those, to get better at those core tenets to get into a flow state more often. So for example, uh, the, the core central foundation of how we approach mental training has to do with attention. Mm -hmm. So, in, in other words, the, the mental training goal that we teach is we need to do whatever we can do in practice so that we can get our attention focused more in the moment on whatever the current task is. You know, so more attention in the present moment, the more mentally powerful we'll be. Well, there's two basic ways of focusing attention. You know, so this is a really critical part of being able to achieve that mental training goal is like there's not just one way of doing it. There's two basic ways. One is what we're doing right now is like being able to be stopped and cognitively focus, well, focus attention in our mind to do cognitive thinking. So we can think about the past, uh, you know, past experiences, reflect on that flow conference or whatever. We can think about, you know, future performances or future goals. Like we can use our mind to focus attention there to direct it in certain ways to do critical cognitive thinking. But when we're engaged in activity, we focus attention differently. We focus it more somatically in the body, you know, around breathing, you know, proper posture, you know, relaxing unnecessary tensions, things like that, that uh, we have, the mind is more quiet. It's just observant. Uh, and letting, trusting the body to do what it needs to do. So that's the second core tenet is we need to understand where are we? Are we stopped somewhere where we need to think uh, critically about what we're getting ready to do? Or are we deciding and taking action to engage it? Hmm. Is, so is, before, just, before just I like give you all the others, <laughs> other core tenets, I wanted to stop and just say, uh, comment on that, Nick. Yeah, yeah, no. Is so to clarify, from my understanding, are you also talking about would or would you clarify or would you think of that as like the subconscious and the and the conscious mind? The conscious mind being the one that, that can be thinking about, um, you know, future goals or present moment or different things like that. And then when we're engaged in the activity itself, and it's much more uh, throughout the body and with our breathing and, and different states that way, is that more the subconscious tapping into a little bit? Or do you kind of think of it as something different? Yeah, great question, because um, uh, I don't really have like clear definitions around conscious and subconscious, but uh, I think I can answer your question because uh, when we are doing critical thinking, we're, we're conscious of uh, thoughts that we're uh, creating or what the topics that we're thinking about. Uh, when we engage the body, uh, it is a little bit more subconscious in the sense that when we have done a practice over time, we embody it. Yep. Right. And then, and then when we do that activity, uh, we're kind of tapping in our, into our intuition to access that experiential knowledge of what the body has embodied. So it is kind of a, a below consciousness kind of, uh, way of being and access that might give some differentiation between uh, conscious and subconscious the way people understand it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So, so back to your framework, then you've got, you've got attention, uh, which was, is that like the first pillar then? Would you yeah. Attention. And then we got two different ways of focusing it, you know, cognitively okay. in the mind or somatically in the body. Uh, and then um, 
well, something that uh, kind of fits into that is we, and it has to do with motivation, and that is we, we see that motivation is, has two different aspects also. Okay, so we, we can be motivated by achievement, you know, like yep. achieving end results where we set goals and we were motivated toward achieving those. Uh, and then we have a motivation toward process, toward the moments of stress that we go through where we learn as we're working toward those goals. Mm. So it's kind of a both-and approach to motivation. We, we see that it's both important to have goals, you know, so that it gives us direction and inspiration, vision, you might say. Uh, and then it's also important to... Uh, be motivated by the process, by be, being willing to be in the stress of the experience moment to moment and enjoy it as best you can. Mm -hmm. uh, so what was critical there is like when you utilize each motivation and, and when, you know, really points toward the flow state. You know, if we can, like when is about time, right? And flow state is about attention in the moment, flowing moment to moment to moment. Mm -hmm. So, so we can make sure that we're understanding our motivation in a similar way. So, okay, before action, I can focus attention in the mind, thinking about inspiring goals that I want to achieve. This is when I'm doing that. But then during action, I know that I need to shift my motivation toward learning and being present and uh, being there and doing the work for its own sake. And let that motivation carry me toward the goal that is inspiring me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Uh, have have the kind of overarching goal uh, and motivation towards that, whether it be you know a competition or whether it be a, a, a feat of some sort or an obstacle, uh, and then also the motivation of um, pushing through any adversity along the way, and 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 kind of pushing and, and continuing the path, I guess. Is, is that kind of correct? Yeah. I mean, um, when we think about um, how much time in our lives uh, makes up achievement of the goal, like on a rock climb, we achieve the goal in a moment right. when, we, when we get to the top. Yep. So even though achievement and motivation is important, most of our life is made up of the process that yeah. leads us all those moments that lead us there where we're doing the work, going through the stressors and the struggles. So our, our primary motivation in a sense needs to be learning based process motivation. Uh, but with that guide of the goals and, and having a desire to want to achieve, you know, certain, certain goals, you know, so, in other words, if um, if this learning-based process motivation makes up the majority of our lives, we need to find a way to really draw out as much as we can from that way of being. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, uh, we're we're not doing the work for some end. It's not a means to an end. Yeah, you know, in, in order for us to really enjoy the journey, we have to do the work for its own sake. And so what that really leads us toward is like, we actually need to find a way to enjoy as much as possible the struggles. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. The, the, uh, what's the old saying? It's not, uh, it's not all about the end goal, but the, the journey along the way or something like that. There's, there's a saying there that I'm sure I'm butchering, but, but the, the whole idea being that it's about the journey, not just the end. Um, so it's really important I think for listeners to know that they both work together in, mm -hmm. in uh, they're both important and they work together beautifully. Uh, so you don't have to choose. In mm -hmm. fact, choosing between the two actually is really detrimental. Interesting. Okay. So we've got, we've got attention, we've got motivation. Um, is there any other uh, kind of pillars of your, uh, the warrior's way? Absolutely. <laughs> uh, just a few more. Uh, just a one few is, more. Yeah. Yeah. One is the importance of incremental learning. Okay. Okay. So 
um, what we talked about just a moment ago, like, okay, our motivation, our primary motivation, or what makes up the majority of our lives is the moment, the moment process going through the struggles, doing the work. Mm -hmm. uh, so um, we, we need to find a way to be as present as possible for that work. And, and we can be as present as possible if we take on stressors in small increments. So in other words, if we, it, this kind of points toward the flow state again, if we just stay in our comfort zone, we're not taking on any stress, we're not learning, we're not doing work really, we're just kind of uh, wallowing in our comfort zone uh, and, not, and maybe getting bored possibly. Yep. Nothing wrong with comfort zone, but uh, if we're looking to understand the learning process and engage it, then we can't stay there. And and I would almost even just add to that there there is nothing wrong with the comfort zone, but that's not where growth is formed. Do you know what I mean? Like if you want to grow in anything in life, whether it be you know in business or in athletics or in relationships, I mean you have to kind of push that comfort zone a little bit because that's where the growth is. Is it's outside of the comfort zone? Would you kind of uh, agree with that? Uh, I don't know how I could not agree with it. You know, right. it's just it's it's a essential. Yeah. It's like we, uh, and that's when we're doing the work, that means it wouldn't be work if it wasn't stressful. Right. Uh, it wouldn't be work if it's uh, not a struggle uh, to some degree. So it's essential, you know, that uh, we have some stress so that we can learn mm -hmm. and grow. Uh, however, if we, just like we don't learn if we stay in the comfort zone, we also don't learn if we go too far into the stress zone and end up in the panic zone. Yeah. So a core tenet of the material is the importance of taking on an incremental uh, process of, uh, this is the way we describe it. You, you go into the comfort zone a little bit, in, well, not in the comfort zone, step into the stress a little bit, yep. work with your attention, to process that stress into comfort, convert that stress into comfort. Mm, I like that. So, so you can only, in other words, we have, we need to be present. We need to do the work for its own sake. So that we are present to be able to process that stress into comfort. And then you can see, like I'm doing this with my hands. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we're, we're expanding our comfort zone as we do that incrementally. Yep. If we do too much, we're going to shut down and we're just going to try to get it over with, get to the end. Uh, and and we don't learn there. In fact, it actually has detrimental value on what's going on in our neural circuits in the brain. Yeah, that's that's like the fight, fight, flight, freeze component. Like when we get too much stress, usually it engages one of those three. Um, and, and neither of those three are great... Uh, environments for for kind of either flow state or, or learning really i mean if you're frozen or if you flee um both of those are going to avoid the scenario to, altogether and then if you're in in fight mode uh or you have like essentially too high of cortisol or something like that you're you're not going to be in in a um, ideal learning state you're going to be in like what you said try to get it over with and and try to finish this as quickly as possible uh, without dying. Essentially, uh, it's 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 definitely not that ideal flow state for sure. No, I, I, very very on target. It's like we're we either if we got like right here's the present moment. Okay, yeah. If we're but and but it's not static. It's like it's going moment to moment to moment to moment. It's like yeah, it's just forward movement, right? Right. Fleeing is like fleeing away from that present moment. I want right. to escape the stress. Fighting is almost like fighting to get somewhere else beside the present moment. Right. Freezing is trying to freeze that present moment from moving forward. Right. So none of those are really effective for having attention focused on learning. Right. Okay, so so we've got attention. Um, we've got, we're, we're now into the state of, 
of kind of taking on that challenge, doing the work, taking on, I've done a, a podcast in the past um, uh, called Baby Steps. And that's kind of the same idea is that the best way forward is to take on on these baby steps. Um, I, I think you had a different term for it, but I, but I like the idea of, of incremental uh, stressors and then you absorb that into the comfort zone, but then you're continually working just past the comfort zone. Yep. Just one more point on that. It's like, uh, we we want to enjoy our lives and what we do right so right we enjoy our lives and activities that we're doing if we want to be where we are you know and where we are is always in the present moment yep you know it's like, yeah. it's like it's just now 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 it's like the mind has this construct of i have the past and i have the future and yeah we can use our mind to think about past and future and direct attention that way but the, our lives are just this moments that are flowing forward on at a at a certain rate, and we want to be able to enjoy our lives, you know. Yep. So if we can take on these baby steps or these small increments of stress, then we're going to be more willing to be there in the middle of them and uh, enjoy the struggles, especially the harder struggles, as best we can. Yeah. So that's I wanted to say that uh, another. Uh, foundational thing is has to do with in climbing context falling mm -hmm. but in an overall context with failing yeah like we we need to understand the consequence of our choices so that we can respond to them better mm -hmm. and then also take responsibility for those mistakes those failures or those falls uh, so that we can then you know, learn from them and and not just uh, blame others for them. Mm -hmm. I love that. In in climbing, you definitely have that perfect analogy of of like you know, falling and and failing both being the same as you're trying to get, uh, ascend. In in kayaking, we're falling on purpose sometimes. So um, it, it's funny that the kind of the differences of the sport. But but I have a a, a similar idea with with. Um, using so-called failures as, as learning lessons and stuff like that. And, and I regularly try to, um, change the verbiage from failing to, um, instead of like, uh, win or lose, I, I it's win or learn or win and learn or like something like that, where essentially not trying to use the negative connotation of, of, of losing or failing, but trying to really, um, lean on the fact that in those, failures or falls or losses that's you know the greatest opportunity to look back and figure out how to learn to do that better or different or what what was really like what went wrong in that how what brought forth that mistake or that failure or that loss and how can i avoid that next time yeah exactly i, I was just uh, i was kind of looking at uh, the different podcasts you know, topics that you had and like you had one recently on the the nuggets that you can find in failure like this it's really like a gold nugget you know that yeah it hits you in the head and it hurts you know but then it's right there falling down by your feet that you can pick it up and it's something really valuable exactly um yeah you know one thing that comes to mind is that um failure is only a failure in the context of the end result Okay, so if we think about, I want to achieve that goal, I want to get to the top of that climb, that means that if I get to the top, I succeed. If I don't get to the top and fall, I fail. Yep. So, and, and I think it's important to see that even if it uh, maybe has a negative context for us, if we're looking at uh, being honest with ourselves about the achievement of a goal, we can see it through the lens of success and failure. And the majority of the time, again, when we're working toward that goal, like in climbing, we might get on a climb and we're working out the sequence, figuring out where the rest stances are, the protection points, all of those things. Uh, when we fall, it's not a failure. It's an outcome that, and that's what we call it. We call it, this is an outcome and I can learn from that outcome. We don't yep. see it in, as a failure. No, that's, that's. I love that idea for sure. Um, 
that it's an outcome uh, because it really is. And, and, and back to the previous statement of, of kind of how we live life through these moments and, you know, the end goal, even if you make the climb or you make a, a descent of a rapid or whatever it is, like that is the outcome. Um, but that's only a brief moment of that, you know, of, of the whole journey along the way. So I love the idea of, of thinking of failure as an outcome, but also, um, I mean, if you were to really break it down to the point that only that brief moment at the end of achieving whatever goal is, would be deemed as success. So everything along the way is either, you know, progress or, or could be deemed failure because you haven't achieved it yet. Um, and so thinking of it that way, that, that this is just uh, a step back to, again, the baby steps that we're taking along the way, like whether it be sometimes, you know, forward steps up the ladder, or maybe one time it's a step back for a redirection in a different way. They're all just steps along that journey to that end goal for sure. Yeah. I mean, let's think about that. It's like, uh, I like the way you said that sometimes it can be a step down. It's like, um, what we find uh, many times with uh, climbers that we're coaching is, uh, well, let's just talk about climbers in general. You know, they're, uh, they get into climbing, they love it, you know, and they, they're progressing through the grades, you know, and they're getting better and better. And then they hit a plateau. Okay. So in order to break through that plateau, they don't need to just learn something new. They need to actually break down the foundation of that took them to that plateau. So in other words, uh, their learning curve is going to drop, mm. you know, as they're learning how to climb in a different way than they're used to so that they build a, a new, better foundation to take them higher. I like that. Yeah. So a simple example would be in climbing, you know, uh, we, we tend to start climbing like a ladder, like one foot, one hand, one foot, like we're only pushing with one leg. Right. Uh, and that can only take you so far until you need to break down that structure and build a new one where you, you place two feet and then push with both legs so that your center of gravity is more balanced between the two. Yep. But when you start, when we teach that and uh, the climbers start with it, it just feels really foreign to how they're used to climbing. So we have to have them practice it, change those neural networks. And then after that drop in performance, they have a more solid foundation. They can take it higher. Mm, I love that. I, I think that's rarely thought of is that sometimes when you hit that plateau, that maybe, uh, maybe the best way through is to break down and, and reconstruct the base. It's a very, very cool idea. And, and, uh, something that I think would help everybody listening who kind of, you know, feels at that plateau level in one way or another in life. Yeah. And, uh, and here again, we, we can think about, okay, I want to enjoy my life. You know, I want to uh, have fun and be engaged and learn. Uh, and if we're going, if we have sort of negative growth, you know, negative right. progress, you know, dropping down, uh, it can be really discouraging if we're uh, achievement motivated, if that's our primary motivation. So this is, again, where we actually need to be really curious about what is going on when we're dropping in performance, uh, being coached to do what, we, what we're used to doing in a different way. Hmm. No, it's amazing. Um, I, I love your, your word and... Um saying curious. I, I think that's another great way to look at, uh, you know, whether it be, whether it be a fall or whether it be, you know, deemed a failure or a loss or, or a falter even just to be, to be curious and really kind of like take a moment, step back and, and really try to analyze the whole scenario. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, so one last core tenant. Yep. Uh, but do, do you want to ask me something else? Or? No, no, no. I was going to ask if there's any other core tenets of the warrior's way. So you're, you're perfectly on track. Yeah. And, uh, and the last one has to do with coaching, like not necessarily, uh, a professional coach with an athlete, although it, it's important there also, but even as we coach each other as just partners in the activities that we're doing, uh, and that is that we can tend to be to coach others uh, toward end results yep. instead of processes. 
so uh, a typical thing in climbing, and, and I think it's actually uh, ubiquitous in a lot of sports, is saying you've got it. Like, <laughs> like when, yeah. when the person is in the middle of the struggle, uh, we're sort of encouraging them, coaching them by saying, you've got it, go for mm -hmm. it. Uh, and so uh, we work on making sure that the, the partner is coaching the climber around processes mm. like if the mental training goal is attention in a moment on the task and we can have more of our attention if we're focusing on, on the processes that we're doing that lead us to the goal then we need to coach that way yeah so the basis of it is when when the athlete or the climber is in the middle of the stressor they're going to lose focus it's it's just the way it is you know when you get into stress attention's going to tend to get distracted so rather than like uh trying to solve the problem for the climber we coach them in a way to help them redirect their attention to what they need to be focusing on like mm -hmm. what process are you doing right now is it resting is it thinking is it decision making is it climbing what is it uh, and then Remind them, you know, okay, it's resting. Okay, breathe, shake out your arms, relax, uh, things like that. That's what yep. they actually need to do to rest, you know. So they're reminding them and coaching them uh, in that way. <laughs> That's, it's such an, I mean, when you, when you think about it, it makes perfect sense. Um, but, but I'm kind of laughing because I find it so funny how we, you're totally right. We all say, oh, you got this. And, and they're just like, it's almost just like continual. Um, we're trying to we're trying to promote positivity and and encourage you know um, positive thinking in any you know direction of of achieving any sort of goal. But I like the idea of instead of just pushing for positive um, verbiage to to actually be coaching in a way that is is more tangible. Like, what do you actually need to be hearing? at this exact moment. Do you know what I mean? Whether that mean like relax your breathing, um, you know, shake out your arms, do whatever. And, and I see this in, in freestyle kayaking into my world a lot as well, where, you know, we, we just had the world cup a couple of weeks ago and, uh, in finals people just, it's regular to hear someone say like, Oh, you got this, you know, um, you got it this time or, or, or anything like that. Instead of just telling them like, you know, focus, focus on your breathing one trick at a time. Um, make sure that you're, you know, setting up your tricks properly or, or, or don't over rush things or different things like that. Like, so it really, um, I like the idea that, that, that last core tenet of the warrior's ways is, is coaching and, and both to be coachable and to coach people in, in a proper tangible way as well. Yeah. I, I mean, I've, um, I've read articles and books about uh, people in basketball coaches, you know, where they, they talk about the importance of pithy targeted coaching, like pithy, just meaning a few words, like uh, for us, like, okay, exhale through the fall more completely. That was short, you know, yep. and then you let them go do it or, okay, eyes down more this time, make sure you can see the floor, you know? Yep. So you're you're giving like really tangible things that help them get their attention back on whatever they need to do to perform better or practice better that's awesome this that's i mean arno i feel like i could talk with you for for hours uh about this uh about this mental state peak performance uh the warrior's way is there anything in, in you know obviously you've been studying this for for years you've been teaching uh coaching is there anything here that we've kind of missed on on your practice of the warrior's way or or just even components for anybody listening that really wants to i don't know tap more into that flow state or or reach further for that peak performance state or anything like that whether it be in you know athletics business relationships parenting just general life anything of that sort yeah i mean uh as a, as a foundation or uh, grounding thought is uh, I think mental training needs to be applicable where in whatever discipline you're in life or a, a sport. So that was one of the grounding 
goals for me in developing this material is uh, I don't want you to just have to like put on your climbing hat, you know, you know, that sort of thing, you know, to be more effective there. I want how you're practicing in climbing to be able to be translatable to regular life or learning a new act, new sport or new activity. Yep. Um, so, I mean, one thing that uh, is might be interesting for your listeners and hadn't come up yet, and that is, uh, why the heck do you call it the warrior's way? Yeah. What? Why? Why do you call it the warrior's way? That's a great question. I think I know because I've I've read some of your blogs and stuff like that. But but please fill us in. Yeah. So. Um, there's, uh, it's a, a bit nuanced and uh, I won't go too long on it. I'll see if I can make it uh, concise. Uh, but I'm a veteran, you know, like we talked about in the beginning. And uh, when we think about uh, the traditional warriors, like soldiers, yep. they have a job and they have a job to protect their nation, their society, right? And what that, at a basic level, what that means is that when there's a stressor or a threat, they move toward it, not away from it. Yep. You know, the, this, the nation, the society, they say, okay, we have this warrior class. That's their job. Okay, I'm going to go into my home or whatever, you know, do my job here in the civilian world. Uh, okay, warriors, you take care of that. You move toward the threat and keep me safe. So if we think about that in a mental training context, uh, it's important to move toward the stressor, just like we talked about earlier. Like we want to, we need to be willing to be in the stress of the experience and, and honor the work that we're doing to go through it. So, so it's really the foundation of how this material, well, the foundation of this material is uh, this, in the same frame as how a warrior or a soldier approaches a stressor or a threat that they have to deal with. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so that's part of it, you know, and it takes courage to be able to do that. And, and if we can see it as an opportunity, not something that we just have to do to get it over with, then we're going to be more curious, you know, and present for whatever that stressor is. So, that's part of the answer. Another part is that um, we can have this perception that, okay, yeah, uh, I understand what you're saying. You know, soldiers and warriors, they move toward uh, the threat and the stressors. It's a very violent kind of activity, you know, and I don't really want my mental training to be violent. Uh, and so uh, the, the distinction now is that we don't fight against those stressors, we fight with them. Mm. Okay, so, uh, and, and how, you know what I mean? It's like we, if yeah. we're fighting against it, we're, we're wanting to subdue it through violence. Uh, and, uh, and so when we're doing an activity like climbing or kayaking, if we really think about it, the climb, and the rock needs to blend together to create a performance. Yep. Uh, the kayaker and the medium of the river, they ha really have to come together to create a performance, mm -hmm. to create, you might say, a whole that is more than the sum of the parts. Yep. And the only way you can do that is to, in a sense, fight with the medium that you're engaged in. Yeah, it's, it almost changes it from a, a fight to almost like a and maybe I'm, I'm putting, you know, words where they don't belong, but almost more of a dance or, or maybe it's more like, like even a, a jujitsu, which is a combat sport, but you're really, you're trying to, uh, use forces and, 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 um, kind of complement the energies and forces in one direction and, and kind of morph it into something that, you know, you're putting it in a direction that's, that's, um, beneficial for you. And so I, I kind of think of those things as you're explaining that. And, and, and I like the idea of, um, trying to fight with it versus fight against it. Cause originally I was thinking of how, you know, sometimes I call a uh, self-doubt, um, the demons of the mind and, and I have to kind of go to battle with the demons of the, of the mind or, or self-doubt, uh, just in, in trying to, um, 
take on more challenge or, or, or something that, you know, maybe I'm too far into that stress zone and I'm, I'm in that battle of self-doubt in my own mind. But I like the idea of trying to almost more of that yin-yang mentality and, and back to the, the Eastern uh, philosophies that, that we had touched on earlier where they, they, they're both there at the same time. And so they're working together instead of, uh, instead of having, you know, uh, two forces uh, opposing each other. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Um, you know, just since you uh, brought up the Eastern philosophy, like something that's uh, been going on over the last 10, 15 years is, and maybe even a little bit longer than that, is there's some, uh, there's a blending of like Buddhism with Western psychology. Yep. Okay. Like there's several great books out there that looking not as an either or like, oh, this is better than that, but they're, they really are addressing different areas. So for example, Western psychology is about going inward to find out like what kind of um, reactions do I have or limiting behaviors, uh, like negative thinking, like I'm looking inside it, like uh, what am I actually doing and how I'm interacting with the world? Yep. Or, uh, Eastern Buddhism, for example, is more about uh, beyond the self, you know, and, and looking for how you uh, see yourself as more part of the whole, you know, so both of those can like really blend together for giving you a, a more holistic understanding of yourself in the world and then how you're going to act in the world. Yeah. Yeah. And earlier you had also mentioned um, something about how all of this can be applied, you know, within our sport, um, but also in every aspect of life. And I, I thought that was another interesting thing that, that I'm just trying to think of, you know, whether it be, whether we take it all the way back to the kind of the, the um, Eastern philosophies or, or whether we take it to current day practices, how, what, what you're mentioning, all of these practices, all of the, this whole framework that you've got here, the warrior's way can really be, um, um, applied to so many, really all aspects of life. Uh, and, and that was ironically a, a big part of why I started this podcast was I started recognizing that, um, so much of sport that, that I've kind of, you know, dabbled into, or whether it be the flow state or, or peak performance or business or, or relationships or anything, how they all really apply to each other. When you, when you take a step back and you really look at that framework, um, and like regularly, I'll I'll look at something that I that I do uh, for peak performance in 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 sports or business or whatever, and, and then I try to apply that into parenting. Or and, and and so it's you really can take all of this framework and apply it to any aspect of life. You can t you can take it to to work. You can take it to relationships. You can take it anywhere. So um, thank you, Arno, so very much for for kind of walking us through this Warrior's Way framework. And and uh, I definitely am going to go back and and listen to this whole interview uh, again to to really um, to soak it up as well as pick up pick up a copy of your book, The Warrior's Way. Um, yeah, the Rock Warrior's Way. The Rock Warrior's, the Rock Warrior's Way. Perfect. I, I will make sure then, and I will have uh, links to that in, in the show notes. Um, I'm going to move us on though to the next segment of the show that I call the fire round. And I'm just going to fire off a couple quick questions as I could probably sit here and, and really just talk with you about this. Um, I don't know this this psychology for for hours. Arno, I I feel like you and I are, are definitely um, uh, two peas of of, uh, of the same pod for sure in the way that we think of life and and uh, and psychology and sports and everything. But I'm gonna move us on to the fire round. Um, Arno, do you have a favorite quote or a current quote that you live by? Hmm. I, well, um, I don't know if it's a quote or maybe a concept. <laughs> uh, and it's, I've, it's something that I've, is central to the material, you know, being able to uh, be more present uh, and so forth. Uh, it has to do with like trusting how life unfolds. Uh, but the, the Stoics have a really interesting way of, um, of phrasing it. And it's called... Um, Amour fati, and that Amour basically fati. means uh, a love of fate or uh, loving what happens 
to you, like accepting and loving actually what happens to you. And so I actually have this like little bracelet on my my uh, my wrist that's kind of really annoying. It kind of get, gets in the way, and but it because it's irritating and annoying in a nice way. Yeah, uh, it it reminds me throughout my day, you know, to like honor and be curious about the the stressors that are coming up. Uh, oh, I so I think that is really one that I've been really working on, you know, for living my life. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I love. I love uh, researching and, and and reading into what the Stoics have have kind of left us as as you know generations ago, and uh, uh, I love that idea of just uh, um, admiring fate or or loving you know kind of what happens. Uh, great great kind of mentality for sure. Um, Arno, do you have a favorite book or um, a recent book that you may have been reading? Uh, I definitely want readers out there to to check out your book as well. Um, but but with that bookshelf behind you, that entire library, do you have a favorite book back there? Well, uh, I, I have two books. The second one is a Special Lessons from the Rock Warriors Way. It's just like practical treatments of it. But I think for your listeners, the Rock Warriors Way would be the one that's more, uh, it's written a little bit more generic. Uh, it's written for climbers, but it's a little more of a philosophical book. Uh, but yeah, that's a, you know, I, I must say that, uh, in my early years of doing research in the early nineties, I was reading a lot of Carlos Castaneda and Dan Millman and a, a lot of books that, um, you might say are part of the warrior literature. Yeah. Uh, recently though, um, uh, it's a really great book that I'm reading and I think your listeners would really appreciate and that's called peak mind mm. by amishi Jha, j-h-a she's a, a stanford neuroscientist and uh the book is written really well uh as far as you know interesting and tangible uh and it's like a lot of the latest research on met, like uh mindfulness practices and how that can really uh impact your your mental state in a positive way so i think that would be a really interesting book for your listeners i love that peak mind i will i will definitely be checking that one out um that sounds like uh might have to be next on my reading list for sure that or maybe maybe i'll read uh rock warriors way first and then i'll read uh peak mind um arno one of my favorite questions to ask is if today was your last day on earth and everything that you've done, all of your teachings, all of your videos, all of your podcasts, your books, everything was to go away with you. And all that you were left with was a piece of paper and a pen, and you could write down three truths, um, three truths to leave behind for friends, for family, for future generations. What might your three truths be? Hmm. Okay. So... First of all, I got another book to write before I die. So, <laughs> and it, it's actually will be on uh, for the general public. So, uh, stay tuned uh, on that one. But uh, really, really important project uh, that I need to finish before I die. But point taken. Uh, piece of paper, three truths. Uh, I think um, one is that life is impermanent and you really need to pay attention. Mm. It seems like it lasts forever, especially when you're young and me being like in my late sixties now, uh, the transience and impermanence of life is really hitting me. Mm -hmm. uh, so to make sure that you're, you're really investing your minutes every day on what you want to be doing. And it's not like we can all be like have this uh, thing that is blissful that we can do. You know, it took me until 40 years old to find climbing. I mean, I a career in climbing, but I think we need to uh, be as present and you know, serve others as best we can in whatever we're doing until we can finally find something that resonates with us more. So uh, 
Today is important. Pay attention mm -hmm. to it. That, that would be one. Uh, another is you need to be freaking grateful. Yes. You know, yes. it's like when I started focusing on being more grateful for um, not just the blessings that I have in my life and the comforts, but also the struggles. You know, mm -hmm. it's like I can be grateful for uh, the struggles that I'm having because they, I, I'm able to learn, you know, from them. So uh, I have like a, a gratitude practice every day, you know, to help remind me of that until I can like really ingrain it in my brain. Yeah. Uh, so I think gratitude is a, it would be number two. Um, so let's see, life's impermanent, pay attention to it, the gratitude. Um, I guess the third one would be to really trust how life's unfolding. Mm. You know, like uh, we spend so much time trying to control what's going to happen. And uh, invariably, because we're interacting with a lot of you know, different mediums like water or rock and other people, it's just not the unexpected is going to happen so much to where yep. if we're trying to control what's going on, we're, we're just going to get frustrated. So uh, I like to look at it, like have an internal locus of control. In other words, I'm focusing on what I can control myself, have an external locus of trust, you know, and then, uh, you know, set those goals. So, you know, where you're going, but then, in climbing, we have to find the easiest way toward that goal. Yep. And in life, it can be that way too. Like you set those goals and then uh, trust in how life's unfolding, like be willing to blend and, and bend with it, kind of mental flexibility uh, to not be, have these rigid patterns that that's got to turn out a certain way. But uh, you know where you're going, but then trust in how you're getting there. I absolutely love that. Arno, that's uh, you have just dropped some serious knowledge bombs right there. And for anybody listening, please go back and and listen to that again. Um, Arno, something that that I get is just I, I gain so much value from these conversations and and bringing guests like you onto the show. And so something that I try to do as much as I can is to give back as much value as I can because I gain so much from you. So is there anything that you are currently focusing on that I might be able to help you out with or possibly even my listeners? Well, you know, uh, one thing, great thing about podcasts like this is it, it builds community you know it's like it's it's a way for us to communicate with a, a wider audience you know here uh i'm representing the climbing community and wanting to bridge out and working on bridging out beyond it uh and we're 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 talking together like bringing two communities together so um you know we're developing mental training courses like we have a what we call a free mind course. It's not free. It costs something, but it's called free mind. Uh, but it, it, it can be applied to climbing. We, we, yep. we teach it to climbers, but we also, it can be uh, very applicable to beyond uh, climbing to regular life and other sports situations. So right now we're, we do it remotely. We have content uh, on our website where you can go through videos and then, uh, you know, you do like a Zoom call with our, one of our coaches, you know, to understand how to bridge the material. So, you know, just uh, getting the word out with what we're doing, you know, and uh, the books we have, we have, um, you know, an email list, you know, if they're interested in getting weekly mental training articles and tips from us, you know, that'd be great to have them on our, our subscriber list. Yeah, and so your blog, uh, your blog alone on your website has some phenomenal content, which I really dove into uh, last night when I was even researching more for the podcast. Just some incredible, valuable content. Uh, so, do you, what's the best way for them to either get onto that email list or um, or to to find you on your website or any of the above? Yeah, our our website is warriorsway.com you know, just warriorsway.com. And uh, I think at the bottom of the homepage is to sign up for the subscriber email list. 
Uh, you can also check out like the different courses that we have. There are links there for that. Um, on social media, you know, on, on Instagram and Twitter, it's just at Rock Warriors Way. And on, I think on Facebook, it's The Warriors Way. So yeah, just uh, connect with us on social media and um, uh, yeah. Awesome. That's I how you can have... connect with me. I will have links to all of that here in the show notes. I am going to sign up for the newsletter myself as again, I just, I love your, your outlook and um, your advice in all these concepts and, and just your blog and everything. So thank you so very much, Arno. Uh, my final question of the day for you is what is your definition of awesome? Uh, the definition of awesome would be, uh, being able to really appreciate the present moment. Like I'm looking outside my window right now and it just freaking looks awesome out there, you know, with uh, the leaves turning, but being able to see it and appreciate it, not wanting to be somewhere else. That's awesome. That is awesome. Enjoying the moment. Again, thank you, Arno. I gained so much value out of this. I hope you, as my listeners, did as well. Please go check him out on social media. Check out his website. Sign up for the newsletter. Uh, if you guys gained value out of this, please, if you guys could uh, leave us a rating and review and share it with someone that you think might need to hear this conversation, uh, learn from Arno, learn the warrior's way. So please, if you guys could do that, it would be greatly appreciated by myself. As always, I am signing off here, Nick Troutman with Arno Ilgder. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I wish you all a truly awesome day. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.